back to our second episode of the Men Creating Change podcast. My name is Aaron, and with me I have Chris, our Hello. returning guest, Ken Ken, and our new guest, Erica. Hello. And today, we are going to have a very, well, today's format is supposed to be an open podcast where people are allowed to come in and out of the space and contribute to our conversation. But due to it being Friday, you know, we're going to record and see who stops by and say hi and who doesn't. But we're going to start with current events and then we'll get into our topic for the day, which is we watched a documentary yesterday called Black Is, Black Ain't by um, Marlon Wiggins. Good film. Good film. Marlon Riggs. Marlon Riggs. Yeah, Marlon Riggs. Marlon Riggs. Riggs. Yeah. Correction. I, I apologize. I got the names mixed up. But it was, it was a great film. He he passed away during its uh, making. Yeah. But they they honored him and did him justice in its production. So, you know, current events. Mm-hmm. What's going on in society today? Well, we are 14 days into Black History Month. So, you know... Uh, I've definitely tried to learn a new African-American, African, person of di- a person of the diaspora figure that I've never heard of before each day. Wow, That's how's been, that going? Um, it's going pretty well, actually. It's a lot. That's a lot of like, people. You'd be surprised how much you can learn and how much shit has not changed at all. Right, mm. right. Like, uh, I did a post <laughs> on... Um, Major Taylor. He was a baseball player, I believe. Hold on, I can actually pull the post up real quick because mm-hmm. it's on Instagram. So I did a post on Major Taylor, who almost there. So Major Taylor was a cyclist in uh, the earliest 19th century. He actually earned the title as the world's fastest man, but in doing so, it meant that he beat. Americans and Europeans at the time where cycling was an international sport. And in beating these people, he became the most feared, most hated, and most bi- most admired bicyclist of his time. Mm. Mm-hmm. Sounds mm-hmm. way too familiar right now. <laughs> yeah. Then um, we did... Um, I did Aura Washington at the beginning of the month. Okay. People who don't know, Ora Washington was the first woman ever, <laughs> ever to win. Um, so she went undefeated for like 12 years playing tennis. And between 1924 uh, and 1936, she also played basketball at the same time. Mm. So if she wasn't whooping ass at Grand Slams. Yeah. She was whooping ass on the court. Mm-hmm. And she was even undocked, in, inducted into the, hall, the Basketball Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. I've just been, it's, it's been wonderful to learn about various people and you know their stories. Like Elizabeth Jennings from New York. Elizabeth Jennings was the quote-unquote Rosa Parks of New York. Mm-hmm. She uh, went to court and won her, and won her case that she sued for discrimination for riding on a trolley cart when somebody told her to give up her seat. Mm. This, was in the, this was in the 1800s so you have to keep in mind that back then while people can still be killed for doing the same thing you know she had to literally deal with going to court and threatening being killed at a time where this was okay you know there's a a growing level of consciousness now mm-hmm. but sometimes people just aren't as aware of certain things as you wish they would be definitely I think um it sounds like a really cool project, or at least a really cool personal commitment to try to uh, learn a little bit more about um, individuals who may have been silenced or erased. Um, I think, uh, you know, we talk about stuff like Black History Month or other Heritage Months, um, and I know, like, from a very young age, um, if you want, if you happen to go to a school that celebrated Black History Month in some form or fashion... One of the common ways in which a school would celebrate would be here are some names and faces of people you should know. And of course, for Black History Month, I feel like they're always the mainstays, right? 
Of course, you talk about Martin. Of course, you talk about Malcolm. Of course, you talk about Harry Tubman, Rosa Parks. Um, most people's memories or thoughts run out at about a week, right? About mm-hmm. seven people. Um, but I think it's really important to do this kind of work because part of racism in this country is the invisibilization or the erasure of people who do good work. Mm-hmm. Um, it's important to remember that regardless of whether you use any of these contributions or not, or regardless of whether you relate individually to these people or not, the um, we are actively resisting oppression by doing this specific work. Right. Any any Black History highlights for either of you? Um, you know, definitely I'm trying to, uh, you know, educate myself more in some figures. Uh, I follow this, uh, I follow this account, uh, TGI Justice. It's like a trans advocacy organization that I've been looking into. And they've been posting a lot of like black trans and queer uh, history makers. So that's been really interesting. Just like every day seeing different people that definitely have not been given the recognition that they've been deserving. I guess that's, I don't know if that's the right phrasing, but yeah. Black History Month is always a, it's a, not a, it's a difficult time like talking to like, non-black people about stuff you know always kind of the competition of like oh why isn't this not happening why isn't that not happening um so yeah black history month you know treat treat black people with a little extra love you know that's all i gotta say i like that i like that how about you i guess like for me um in this whole like month um so for folks who don't know like i do graphic design here at the mosaic cross cultural center um and as as part of that like whenever um i'm i am doing like calendars say for like black history month or like just for any any event um or any calendar i really um have been trying to like educate myself more on like again like black history so like for this month like i put um like Angela Davis, Thomas Sankara, and um, Laverne Cox on the calendar. And, like, in doing that, I really try to, like, look at their stories and make sure, like, I want to portray them in, like, like you know, in the in the legacies, like, they left and stuff. And um, as well, I try to do that within the art that I also create. So it's, like, I, like, I try to I educate myself at the same time and, like, be also, like, being a non-Black person, like, I really try to like convey that through through art I guess like in educating like like educating myself but also like non-black folks to like not always like you know center themselves in Mm -hmm. discussions that are like like not about not about them yeah like sorry I feel like I'm kind of wording this weird but I don't know but yeah like I just um yeah, I, I don't know. That, I guess that's what I'm try, I've, I've been trying to do lately. Work. Yeah. I, I appreciate that. And it uh, it reminds me of this um, this post that I saw. I think I was scrolling through Instagram. It was Instagram or Twitter. And um, somebody had tried to claim um, February as National uh, Queer Awareness Month or something like that. And so um, this person came through and they were like stop february is nationally known as black history month now there are in fact you know black queer folk but i think what the person was trying to illustrate and what they didn't properly get across in their discussion was that you can have multiple months or multiple things celebrated within certain months without overshadowing one another. Mm-hmm. I mean, so when people are out there trying to claim uh, new time periods for uh, individuals or anything like that, they have to keep that in mind. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't just kind of like 
It's like if I walked into Mosaic one day and was like, all right, this is now Aaron's cross-cultural center. And they're like, uh, this has been Mosaic longer than you've been here, Aaron. Congratulations. This is now Aaron's cross-cultural center. And they're like, <coughs> why would you do that? You know what I mean? Like, it's it's mm. generally the same principle. Like You can't just... Well, part, part of the... Um, see, when I talk about oppression... One of the reasons why oppression and racism specifically um, happens through invisibilization or through minimization, um, they do it in a way in which they can then claim that people weren't here or weren't doing certain things, right? So um, uh, all of the rhetoric around the Confederate flag, for example, right? Um, there is this kind of thought that that folks who don't know better, we'll say generously. Um, we'll say like, oh, you know, this is this is a history. There's a legacy. There's a there's a heritage, you know, that that kind of stuff. And what um, what we oh, okay, I think he's about to use the microwave. Let's pause for a minute. Okay, <laughs> sorry. Impression. Welcome back. Yes. Um, I'm gonna cut that part out. Uh, so. What I was saying was the invisibilization of uh, people who are well-known or who are of certain identities in civil rights movements. By removing them, it allows these forces of oppression to be able to say, oh, um, we were here longer, right? And they get to change history, Mm -hmm. right? So um, the Confederacy, for example, that I brought up, the people talk about heritage, people talk about like, how, you know, I'm just celebrating heritage and all that stuff. And what they don't realize, or what folks don't realize if they're not doing this kind of work, is that there have always been people here. There have always been black folks here. Black folks have been an integral part of not only this country, but this world. And not just black folks, but black queer folks, black trans folks. Um, just like there have always been Native or Indigenous folks, there have always been Asian folks, there have always been Latinx folks, um, or Indigenous folks, again. Um, people have always been here. It's funny how that works, right? How people have always been somewhere, always been doing something, and yet it takes forever and a day for it to even, you know come to the forefront or come to the light in any capacity. However, with that being said, you know, if you're white and you happen to admit that you definitely did call Ukraine to get, you know, information on your enemies, <laughs> but you get, you know, acquitted for it, <coughs> obviously we just don't care. Like, I mean, I can't, I, I don't even know what to say about Donald Trump anymore. He Yeah, didn't he say he admit like yeah like, yes. he's like, Oh yeah, I did it, but he, I lied during the yeah, yes. he, he basically admitted that he sent um, Giuliani to Ukraine to get dirt on Biden, which is the entire crux of the argument. <sighs> um, and there, is there is, there's no way to like no like, psych no. In no. fact, if he had even if he had said this a month before, while they were still in the middle of the trial, he still would have won, right? Because oh, like the Republicans started the Republicans started the impeachment process with the mindset of, I'm never going to vote to impeach Donald Trump, right? Mm-hmm. No matter what is said or revealed in a trial, I'm never going to impeach Donald Trump. That's where they started. So he could he could have walked into the Senate building and just started shooting people in the head, and they still would have voted him not guilty. Damn. I mean, essentially, that is, like, the essence of the empire. Like, like... I think, like, right now, we're living in, like, a really interesting... I mean, we've been living in an interesting time. But, like, like, I guess in the mix of, like, this consciousness that's, like... This new kind of consciousness that's, like, arising. Mm-hmm. And then, like, you know, this... Like, all the forces of the empire, right? Where you're, we're seeing, like, impeachment, all this kind of stuff, whatever. And, like, you know, like, white liberals continually, like, get upset over, like, oh, my God, like... Did you see what Donald Trump did today and stuff? But it's like, this has always been happening to, like, you know, like, marginalized communities in, like, different capacities. And, like, um, I don't know. It always just surprises me how, like, 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 white people are just so surprised all the time. Like, oh, my God. Like, can you believe it? And we're like, like 
Yes. But it's but it's like a mock surprise, right? Like it's not like Donald Trump ever pretended he was a good guy. I mean, he pretended, but it's not like he ever convincingly told anyone he was a good guy, right? Like from day one, like I just I hold on to stuff like this. His his uh uh uh. uh Press conference. Mm-hmm. Um, God, that's not even the right word. His Klan uh, uh, rally, where he announced his uh, candidacy for the presidency back in 2015, was the speech in which he called Mexicans rape- rapists and criminals. It was that exact same speech. It happened in the same speech. What he do again? It was the one where the one where he announced that he was running for president in 2015. Mm-hmm. was the exact same speech in which he said we're building the wall because Mexicans send are, are made up of rapists and criminals and they send them over the border. It was the same speech. Like, from day one, hour one, minute one, second one, he has been this person. Mm-hmm. So, when, when you say white people surprised, like, I, I can't, I can't give him that. Like, He's never lied about who he is. If you're if you're genuinely surprised, then you are some. You just haven't been paying attention. Uh, I, I I'll say you just haven't been paying attention because yeah, it's 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 hard to believe that all of this could happen and you would just pretend that it, it's not. It's like it's like. You got to the end of the yellow brick road and the Wizard of Oz, and the Wizard is telling you, hey, I'm not really a wizard. And <laughs> right. you're still looking at him like, all right, Mr. Wizard. I can't believe it. What I got to do? <laughs> and he told you, I'm not the wizard. Yeah. I don't have any powers. Like, that's exactly what happened. That's exactly what happened. Donald Trump is the embodiment of the Wizard of Oz. Like, like y'all, y'all know that in the Wizard of Oz, the Emerald City is not actually green. He just makes everybody who lives in the Emerald City wear Where? green glasses. I've never seen The Wizard of Oz. Oh, it's in the book. <laughs> it's in the list. book. You're not missing anything. But, like... you're going to see this person hang themselves in the background, you're like, what the actual hell? What? Uh, anyway, <laughs> moving on. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyways. So. Um, yeah, and, you know, as a reminder, every now and then we talk about Donald Trump when we talk about the news because... We are representing men creating change, and Donald Trump is very much the embodiment of patriarchy and toxic masculinity. Um, and somebody who's drunk off their own ego. And yeah. <sighs> it's, it's, ooh, what it's makes sad. it worse is that... And I don't want to call him out the way that he... Because I, I know he's young and everything, but... Even the young man who was in here yesterday saying that he would vote for him just because he's in the same party is like, uh, I understand that we ooh. have a political system that means you have to align yourself with certain values, blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, mm-hmm. I don't care what side of the fence you're on. Mm-hmm. You can realize that every person's human life has an intrinsic value mm-hmm. and their value does not encroach or threaten, endanger, impede your value in any way. Like, I look at Kennedy and be like, oh my God, Kennedy, you're a person from a marginalized community, and now I feel threatened every time I go in the fucking classroom. Mm-hmm. That ain't it. <laughs> Kennedy came out here living her best life. They best life. Doing whatever it is Ken can do on the weekends. You know what that does not pertain to? Me. Me. Yep. Or Erica. Or Chris. Mm-hmm. Or Cheyenne. Or... Tyrell. 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 Aaron's just naming people in the room. <laughs> yeah, there are, there are other people in here. It, 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 what, what Ken Ken does, as long as she's not endangering anybody's yeah. life, endangering her life. They life. Them. They life. <laughs> or, damn, what was the other one? There are three reasons you call 911. Morals. If it's, your life is in danger, somebody else's life is in danger, or threatening violence in any manner, then we go. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I think people just put their political party and everything above humanity and actual like decency. Mm-hmm. And that's why I like. I'm like, why do I even have to choose a party? I'm like, why do we have to choose a party? Just can't we just like. Yeah. Why? Why I don't have to play on different teams. Yeah. It. It is. It is a pet peeve of mine, though. 
when people talk about because this happened in 2016 as well for the presidential race um it's a false dichotomy to compare everybody the same um yes our democratic candidates have a lot of faults and a lot of flaws and have very problematic histories or areas or or even problematic policies in various Mm -hmm. of them um but they are in no way as bad as Donald Trump's administration. And if I have to vote uh, for a candidate to be president, I don't think there's anything wrong with using the metric of which candidate will uh, cause fewer deaths in the United States, which candidate will cause fewer illnesses in the United States, which candidate will cause fewer job losses in the United States. I don't think that's a poor metric. And if I'm going by that metric, uh, the way our system is, it's going to be the Democratic candidate. Uh, we've seen that. I mean, we've seen, we've seen that in the last four years. The fact that this administration has continually backed anti-trans, anti-queer, um, anti-black, anti-female policies, anti-immigrant policies, shows that they don't care about the body count. Yeah, that's definitely my thought process now that like I actually have to, this is like gonna be my first presidential like voting. Oh my god! Process. So Aww. I'm definitely just like, dang! Like all these people, like all these, like I look at the Democratic Party and I'm like, damn, all these people are trash. But like, you know, you gotta choose. You gotta choose who's gonna do the, the worst damage. I mean, the least damage. Oops, sorry. Yeah, the least damage. <laughs> mm-hmm. Shit, sometimes the least damage is the worst damage. And that's you know I mean? that's very true. It's... I mean, I feel like, like, what we're talking about, like, damage, and I know, like, Chris, like, you're talking about, like, damage within the United States, like, like damage that's visible to us, but I feel like, you know, like, w- like we're also needing to think of, like, the damage outside of the United States, because, like, we know, right, that, like, the U.S., like, is essentially, like, the U.S. is, like, the biggest terrorist across seas, right? Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There'll be like whether it's like Republican, Democrat, I don't yeah. even know what other parties there is, right? Like essentially, right, like they're gonna even if it's not visible visible to us in the United States, like it's mm. gonna happen somewhere else. And, like yeah. that's also reality to take into account because like right. how many like democratic presidents have we had and how many like folks in the global south have been like terrorized because of it. Right. Yeah. I mean we've never we've never as of right now, we've had, what, 45 presidents? Mm-hmm. We've never once had a president not been an imperialist, not right. been a colonialist, right? Um, so I, I agree with you on that, and I think that that's why we still need revolution and we still need change. We should always be fighting for revolution. And at the same time, the person who happens to be president for these next four years is going to also do lasting damage, mm-hmm. you know? And we have to be really careful about what it takes to mitigate that damage because... By the time we get to revolution, some folks aren't going to make it. I think that raises an interesting question, though. And in that question, it kind of like brings that connection to the documentary that we watched yesterday. Mm-hmm. Because I know a bunch of people who get upset with politicians, they feel like their voices aren't being heard. But at the same time, how do we expect our communities that are... Uh, microcosms of society to a certain extent because we do in our communities at least western communities hold a lot of the same ideologies that you know dominant parties have or dominant ideologies have so how do we expect somebody to understand what we represent when oftentimes our communities as well don't even fully comprehend we represent like and we've been laughing at this for the last two days but yesterday a young man in the documentary literally said the standout part of the documentary why do we need history what is martin Luther king gonna do for me what is malcolm gonna do for me are they gonna come put food on my dinner table are they gonna help me get that job tomorrow and what made it worse is uh one of the people who were at the viewing yesterday sent me a, a video clip from YouTube earlier today and this little kid in elementary school who already has that exact same thought pattern. Mm-hmm. And he's like, history's not important. 
I should be learning things like, you know, how to get a job, how to file my taxes, how to do business. And he's like, mm. you know, why, why do I need to know history, you know? Why do I need to learn how to prevent World War II? You know, they say that World War II is caused by an argument. So how do we fix that? It's just not let people argue. Mm. And you're like, well, sir, young man, person, World War II was caused by a plethora of different things. Mm-hmm. The same way that World War I was caused by a plethora of different things. <laughs> and, you know, just because we would like to have the ability to say that certain things no longer matter, that's not the case because then we find ourselves getting caught up in the erasure mm-hmm. or participating in the same things that dominant ideologies do now. We get rid of history. What we what are we gonna learn about? You know this time period. You know you might be alive today, mm-hmm. but in ten years, when somebody's having a conversation trying to prevent what happened during this time period in the future, because history has a thing where it repeats itself, mm-hmm. then what? Mm-hmm. You don't want to be that person who's standing in the grocery store line, going, "Oh, not again!" When mm-hmm. the the cashier is like, "Oh, that'd be twenty nine thirty, and all you got is twenty nine dollars." Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, I don't have 30 cent. Um, can we can we let it slide this time? Sir, every time you come in here, you never have 30 cent. So mm-hmm. no, you haven't learned from the past. Mm-hmm. So how are you expecting somebody to let you slide when you don't have it, mm-hmm. when you're not willing, willing to learn from what you've been doing consistently? Mm. Yeah. Definitely. Part of, part of that education in the history of things global politics um global politics the mm-hmm. diplomacy um <laughs> <laughs> part of part of the history of things like global politics um is to allow us to have an opportunity to study not just how things happen but the greater truth of it all um you know, I, I come back again to the Civil War discussions, right? <clears throat> and how folks who are have sympathy for the Confederacy talk about states' rights as being <clears throat> the the critical like factor in why the Civil War was fought, <clears throat> and they lack the the understanding or the uh, framework to to internalize the fact that it wasn't states' rights. It was specifically a state's right to own slaves. Um, It wasn't like the federal government was saying, you're not allowed to do anything. The federal government was specifically saying, we don't want you to own slaves. And a state was saying, no, that's the one thing we want to do. And that's why the Civil War was fought. So you can have a philosophical argument all you want about states' rights, but that's not actually what happened historically with the civil war and lincoln yeah. didn't free the slaves because you know he thought it was the right thing to do right he freed the slaves to reduce the south's fighting power because they got to a point where the south was like you know what you fight for us you get your freedom mm-hmm. and so a lot of them started to enlist the north started to lose battles and he was like you know what what can i do to be the deciding factor here so you know granted that's gonna like challenge a whole bunch of people's reality yes you can Look the information up yourself, um, you know, try to figure it all out. But ultimately, when we when we revisit history and we challenge the, the dominant narrative you've been told, all we're asking is to have the entire story acknowledged. Mm-hmm. You know, the good, the bad, the ugly. Mm-hmm. Um, some of you may have remembered that um, from, our, from our podcast two weeks ago. We were talking about um, Kobe Bryant and his legacy. And in having that conversation, it's important to realize that 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 sentiment of extending him the good, the bad, and the ugly extends to everybody. Mm-hmm. Nobody's out here being perfect. You yeah. know, there are people who were like hella creepy at one point in their life, and then they, mm-hmm. you know, became self-aware and they grew out of it. Yeah, I think Lincoln's a good example. When Lincoln was younger. Um, as a law student, um, 
he had he wrote problematic things. He had there's famously a letter that he wrote to either a friend or some someone um, talking about his travels, and he specifically wrote you know negative reactions to uh, traveling with black folks. Um, and that's not to say that we like are trying to negate like the Emancipation Proclamation by pointing out why it was done or who the person behind it was. But it's important, like Aaron said, to know the good, the bad, and the ugly, right? Mm -hmm. It doesn't make Lincoln necessarily a a bad person. I mean, I genuinely would be shocked if he wasn't racist. Like, (laughs) you know, (laughs) (laughs) if somebody raised at that time in that country, I would genuinely be shocked if he didn't have racist views, right? Like, and racism isn't I hate black people. Racism is that, you know, I find black people inferior, right? In some form or fashion, right? So it's not that he was actively hating people. It was that he had a power hierarchy in his brain. And especially, like, even, I always think, like, even though, like, okay, yeah, he freed the slaves. After the slaves were free, we still had to deal with Jim Crow. Mm -hmm. uh, You know, all the other, like, civil rights movements. Like, we were still fighting for, like, shit that we needed. So just because you freed the slaves... You'll be like, yeah, I don't think like black people should be slaves, but I definitely think they should be separate from me, and I definitely think that they should go to worse schools than my kids should go to. Like, definitely like thinking about that type of shit too. Mm-hmm. Like, I always think about that. Like, okay, like we always praise this dude for like this good thing mm-hmm. he did, but looking I'll at the time, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> honestly, fuck. <it's- laughs> I mean, you know, again, I, I don't think it's, we say this in an effort to negate who you are. <laughs> that was just like an example, like what I think. Like we're, not, we're not attempting to discredit Abraham. His, his praised <laughs> actions, but what we are saying is... This podcast is, took a left turn somewhere. <laughs> it's our podcast. It, 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 it weaves. We bob and weave all the time. It's fine. We'll, we'll bring you back. We'll bring you back. But what we are saying is that when we look at legacies or um, transactions with be mindful of the real costs here for mm-hmm. example you know in the conversation about reparations i'm not sure if everybody has seen um which kind of like takes me back to one point so i'm gonna go back and I'm gonna go forward mm-hmm. so um we were talking about uh trump in an earlier point in this podcast but what i will say is if you are upset about the way things are, get out and vote. Yes. I mean, Trevor Noah says it because um, he was hosting The Daily Show and he had said something about him not being impeached and everybody booed. And he was like, no, don't boo, vote. Mm-hmm. Like, if you have the energy yes. to, you know, motion your lips and make the boo sound, I mean, you have that same energy, put that shit into your legs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Go to a voting booth and say, you know what? No more. Did you want to know? Despite realizing how rigged our country is, the one thing that will change is the fact that everybody is taking this time period with the rest of us to learn exactly what politics really is. Mm-hmm. And there are a bunch of people who are extremely dissatisfied right now because, on the offhand, there's a group of people who've never done research and or reading anything beyond what they need to read a day in their life. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, so much people who are like, can can we do that? <laughs> we can't? Did we just do that? Why? Mm-hmm. Oh, because he said so. Um, what does that mean for the rest of us? You don't know. Never been here before. Aw, oh, shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There are way too many people who are scared. So now we're going to go forward. So when we have the conversation about reparations, reparations means to repair something that's broken. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about repairing things that have been broken, there are several cultural groups in America who have had their, their damages repaired financially. Mm-hmm. They weren't necessarily given you know, anything in exchange, but they were definitely given monetary compensation um, off the top of my head, I can think about the Japanese in World War II. Mm-hmm. They put them in internment camps. There are still several campsites up in California. Mm-hmm. So you can look those up, find out where those are. 
Reparations means to repair things that are broken. My roommate is actually uh, Filipino and Japanese. And he was telling me the other day how his uh, family had a samurai sword and a couple other things that were confiscated while they were being interned. And it wasn't until recently that his family actually had those items returned to him. Mm-hmm. No, indigenous Americans were forced from one side of the country to the other where a metric fuck ton of them died. Mm-hmm. And eventually the U.S. is like, well, you know what? Here's a small plot of land. Here's some money. And you guys will have sovereignty over your own land. Which then creates a different issue. But that's the conversation for another podcast. Mm. Because I know a professor on our campus who would love to spend an hour talking about that. Um, and then you get to you know African Americans who were poised to receive reparations thanks to who was the guy who came after Lincoln? It was Lincoln who put in place. Oh, Johnson. Yeah, that Andrew guy. Johnson. Johnson was like, yo, you know who what? The first president impeached. Johnson. <laughs> some male. Some, some, some white guy. You know, they all seem to look the same after a while. Um, so he's like, you know, I understand there's been an injustice here. So, in theory, anyway, we'll... we'll Throw out the idea of 40 acres and a mule. Here comes Jackson. And Jackson was like, ha, what? <laughs> that noise. Johnson. Was it Johnson? Or was yeah. it, that was Andrew Jackson. No, Andrew Jackson was the, the Trail of Tears guy and killed all the mm-hmm. Native Americans. Okay. They all the same. They all look like Robert Pattinson. They all look the same name. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, Robert Pattinson, you heard it here. You have 24 hours to respond. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I mean, I'm not about Ooh. to get Batman on my butt, but uh, listen, he's Bruce Wayne. No. He, he, he doesn't need to find you. You'll find you. If you have to find him, he'll find you. Batman. Yeah. yeah, like Andrew Johnson. When we talk about like inequities, <laughs> these inequities they they span not just generations, but they span laws. Mm. They span presence. They span. Well, we just celebrated what fourteen? We just celebrated four hundred years since the first African person of African descent was dropped off in the Americas to serve as somebody's slave, and that was in sixteen nineteen. Yeah, in Virginia. In Virginia. Mm-hmm. Fast forward to twenty nineteen, four hundred years later, and what 1865, That's a hundred and thirty four years. One hundred forty four years yeah. since the Emancipation Proclamation. 140, yeah, 48 years? Forty? Nope, it's longer than that. 100, 150 years, 150 years. So now, we're, we're looking at like a time scale where you're going, oh, you know, 400 years is a long time. It's been four generations. Mm-hmm. We're assuming that the average lifespan of a human being is 100 years here, but we all know that thanks to, you know, a lack of resources, racial inequality, racial inequities, your lifespan is greatly shortened simply by being a person of color. But that's a different conversation altogether. But in theory, say that each person lives to be 100, right? So that is four lifetimes since the first person came over here to be enslaved. And then two and a half lifetimes after that person. Yeah, two and a half and some change. Two and a half lifetimes after that person was enslaved, slaves received freedom and then we enter an era that we have black codes, Jim Crow. Mm-hmm. We have um, the start of issues with immigration. Mm-hmm. And fast forward to now, and we still have slavery in the judicial system. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We still have issues with immigration. We still have mm-hmm. immigrants who are of African descent and coming in from other places who are still being charged. Mm-hmm. More taxes mm-hmm. than American citizens. And now you're going, well, Aaron and Chris and Ken Ken and Erica, how can you charge somebody who is quote unquote illegal? Well, I'm so glad you asked. Would you like to answer that or should, should I? No, keep going, keep going. So I hope, I hope that we're going to go ahead and like hope to set this at least to a clearer point, that illegal just means undocumented. 
It doesn't mean that, you know, you are... Well, I do want to make the clarification that we do not use the I word in Mosaic. Um, When we are talking of people, people are not illegal. Um, That's just a given. So for here, um, that, that word's a slur. You would think that people aren't illegal, but obviously because of the yeah. way our constitution and everything. So well, and I would I would say as you're either. as you're talking about this idea of looking at uh, African slavery through a generational lens, um, it is one and a half generations, not two and a half, right? One hundred fifty years. That's one and a half. Um, no, it's two. Sixteen nineteen. I mean, yeah, sixteen nineteen. So sixteen nineteen. Sixteen nineteen is four. Yeah. Right, but then so from two and a half would be from emancipation. Years. From emancipation. Emancipation was 1865? We, we haven't gone 200 years yet. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. yeah so it's one and a half. But anyway. Um, I'm bad at math. But if we're talking about a time when Africans were enslaved in the United States, to a time when Africans were legally freed in the United States, to a time when Africans um, were treated with, I don't know what you want to call it, equality or whatever, we haven't gotten to stage three yet, right? So we're still in stage two, which is, you know, this started with, you know, a broken system of um, reconstruction, right? Quote, unquote, reconstruction, where um, folks just codified slavery through different kinds of laws. Mm. Um, And in the last 200 years, right, less than 200 years, we are still untangling that shit, right? Mm -hmm. And there are still systems in place now. Right. Not even that we can't untangle them. They are actively being kept in place. Mm -hmm. Right. And one of those includes our criminal justice system. Right. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about the illegality of things, that is also rooted in racist history. Right. So just the same as when we talk about humans are not illegal, we're also talking about people who might have been arrested, people who might have been jailed or incarcerated. Right. They're also not illegal, right? They may have broken a law of some sort, but that does that does not take away their humanity or their inherent rights. Mm-hmm. God, I wish the rest of the world actually thought like that. Right. So yeah, undocumented um, individuals, you can actually tax them more because they have no paperwork, because mm-hmm. they have nothing that states that they adhere to the laws of the land Mm -hmm. and nothing holding you accountable, which is why they get paid so low. Mm -hmm. And I really hate the argument people make where they're like, oh, you know, they're just, you know, taking any job they can. They'll work for dollars on it. It's like, well, they're not in a position to ask for the actual wage they deserve. Mm-hmm. Because they don't have the proper documentation in place to even pursue mm-hmm. a criminal case like that. Well, so, and, and it's important to recognize, too, that the enforcement of these so-called laws are direly more consequential for undocumented folks, right? Nobody is regulating ICE to any real extent, right? ICE, ICE is committing horrendous humanity violations in their usage of force and of police um, um, uh, brutality, um, detentions. Um, I mean, people who are undocumented go through systems where they don't have due process, they don't have representation, they don't have a right to speak, right? And they're, they're shut behind locked doors for weeks to months to years on end without any sort of acknowledgement of their basic humanity, right? So, like, the consequences are huge. The three-year-olds who testify in front of the judge, trying to attempt to tell their stories, but they only have, they only have a fully developed vocabulary. Mm-hmm. They sit there and cry. Mm-hmm. Like, I know people, and I know it sounds weird because uh, I think it was on was it on Community? Either they're on Community or one of those satire shows where um, the white lady was like, you know, I can excuse racism. No, she's like, I can excuse slavery, but I can't excuse animal brutality. Oh. Mm-hmm. And you were like, and then the, uh, the black lady was like, you can excuse slavery? <laughs> yeah. And you're like, that, that's kind of what our society is kind of like. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. we, we will yeah. turn the whole other cheek yes. to so many different things. Yes. And yet, 
one thing happened that endangers, you know, something that somebody cares about deeply. And all of a sudden, we got, like, you know, the PTA moms coming out in force. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like that video of, uh, I don't know who it was. They're, like, animal rights activists. And they're, like, they were, like, snatching a dog from a homeless man. And they're, like, oh, like, you're you're not giving him a good life or, like, the dog a good life. And, like, uh, so you're going to take the dog away and just leave the guy on the street? Like, Mm -hmm. That's, yeah. Let's not let's not even talk about California vagabond laws because that 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 in and of itself is is so just acknowledgement Erica and Kendi are leaving um, timing timing um, but yeah so it's I mean it's a it's a it's a complex messed up system but um, do we want to talk a little bit about black is blacky I think we kind of have okay cool you know what I mean like. Yeah. It, it's, it's a roundabout way because we just had a conversation in the same way that that movie is set up or the mm-hmm. documentary is set up. Um, Marcel, one of the gentlemen who was here, um, he commented on how he had to cover the depth of so many different topics just to get to one underlying thing. Mm-hmm. And that is, it is next to impossible to tell somebody what is or isn't black. Mm-hmm. For those for those who haven't seen the Black is Black King documentary, it flows from talking about black masculinity, black sexuality, black history, black music, black food in the United States. Black voices. Yeah, talking about people who are connected to Africa, people who are not connected to Africa. Um, <laughs> you know, it talks about black youth. Um, and it just flows from one to the other to the other to the other. It talks about fatherhood, talks about brotherhood. And I'm laughing because there's a scene in the documentary where um, the the director goes to visit this uh, African camp in South Carolina. Yeah. And um, they were talking about how, you know, living in the Western world, we are detached from our African roots, blah, blah, blah. And you see this guy sitting on the floor fanning. (laughs) And me and Chris trying to arrive at a mutual decision. You know what? I'm going to keep my air conditioner because I'll be damned if it's 105 outside. I'm sitting out here with this little wooden fan, fan in my face, hoping that, you know, <laughs> I'm going to get cool eventually. Yeah. I'm good. Yeah. It, it is really funny that, that uh, well, and, and yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm good with my air conditioning. We don't, we don't, we don't have to lose air conditioning in order to, quote unquote, feel connected to our roots. Um, although, if, if you're somebody who doesn't like air conditioning, more power to you. More power to you. That, look, that's, that's more cool air for me. <laughs> Um, but even Angela Davis, who is uh, featured in the documentary, um, she reminds people that she can wear kente cloth or she can wear jeans, but she wears just as black. She feels just as black in either. So to say that, you know, um, blackness is or is not defined by how authentic you are to your roots is a fallacy that a lot of activists tend to find themselves um, trying to be active under. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a conversation with somebody who was part of the All African People's Revolutionary Party. I think that's how you, I think that's their name. Mm-hmm. But um, he was telling me the other day, he was like, I don't think interpersonal relationships between African Americans matter. He's like, we have bigger things to worry about than how we treat one another. And I was telling him, I was like, no. You know, in order for us to even be unified or even, you know, come together as a group, mm-hmm. how I treat somebody who is a partner with me in both the struggle and in culture is important. Mm -hmm. Because why in systemic oppression when I'm going to perpetuate that same oppression interpersonally? Mm -hmm. Because whether I like to admit it or not, being, you know, a man of color allows me access to certain privileges Mm -hmm. that women of color do not have access to. And it's also... It's been a conversation in another podcast, but it's also having access to, you know, relationships pertaining to, um, it's also having access to relationships pertaining to um, white women or women who are closer in proximity to white that allow me to validate this, this idea that I'm not sexist. Mm-hmm. And for me, I can validate this idea that they're not racist. Mm-hmm. Wow, we are both still those things. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I love that Bell Hooks was featured in this documentary because Bell Hooks has always been like a, a super straight shooter. Mm. Uh, she was like, you know, she was breaking down some of the um, the things in the documentary, and she was like, yeah, you know, I would love for you know me to have a, a patriarchal man, blah blah blah. And then she's like, that's that bullshit. Mm. Why would I want a patriarch in my family when? I can, you know, have somebody who's going to treat me like an equal and or someone who's going to treat me like I'm actually human nonetheless. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's powerful. But what's, what my takeaway was from it, because I was asking last night, I was asking people's takeaways, but what my, my takeaway was from it, because it's the film that was um, streamed in, I want to say the release in 1985 or 1995. Okay. But uh, one of the notes that the director hits on mm-hmm. is this idea that to be human means you can embrace your masculine and your feminine. Mm-hmm. And that's when you get to be who you really are. Mm-hmm. And I think that that idea was groundbreaking then, but it's even more powerful now as we occupy a time period where um self value self definition and self valuation and the idea that you can define your reality for yourself begin to take root and take hold and take president. Mm. Because within the black community, oftentimes these ideas are only shared by uh black feminist scholars. Mm. When you mm. read the words of certain black men who are not aware of their privileges, um one of our guests in two weeks, um, hopefully I can get her to tell a story about when she met her uh, now mentor and they talked about a book that he wrote in uh, 1967 and how he didn't mention black women at all. Mm. After meeting her, he changed that. <clears throat> but, you know, there are so many different ways to be black mm. that there is no proper way to say that black is this and black ain't that Mm -hmm. and for him to realize that as he was getting sicker and coming on top of certain illnesses but you know losing to others it's Mm -hmm. it's fascinating yeah well and and i think that um i mean one of the topics that was touched upon in in the documentary was um, how black women are treated by black men. Um, and I, uh, I believe the term is misogy- misogynoir. Yes. Right? Um, and, <clears throat> you know, I think for, for me, and, and we mentioned this out loud when we were watching it, the group of us that were here, um, you know, this is evocative of the current thing going on in pop culture right now with Snoop Dogg, um, and, um, uh, which was an offshoot of Gail King, which is an offshoot of Kobe Bryant, right? So Gail King... Um, in an interview was was trying to uh with i think lisa sparks um was or lisa leslie lisa leslie played for the sparks my bad um was trying to um trying to talk about kobe's um rape case that we talked about in the last episode um and snoop in his social media uh went after gail king um and and hard you know went after her hard um and basically was calling her names, you know, really using real derogatory words, um, using real derogatory hashtags. I believe he also had hashtag free Bill Cosby in there, which then caused Bill Cosby's Twitter account to then join in that conversation, which who knew that Bill Cosby was Twittering from jail? Um, but okay. Um, you know what? I, I'm no longer surprised <laughs> at this point, but... Yeah, which, you know, brings up this idea of like... Even in 2020, not even in 2020, I guess it shouldn't really be a surprise, but still in 2020, we are in a situation where black women are the most targeted group of folks because of, for whatever reason, they don't even have the support of black men, right, who are so ready to to jump all over that if there's any sort of critique or any sort of... Um, uh, like criticism on what is perceived to be black masculinity. Um, it's uh, 
it's ironic because in one of my classes, I had gotten fed up one day. And so I asked, and I was like, so why is the success of black men predicated off the oppression of black women? And the men in the room were taken aback by it. One, because I guess stringing together the words predicated and oppression in a classroom. Too many, we too many about, syllables. Too, <laughs> too many syllables. Too many, too, too many, too many $5 words in one sentence. <laughs> So I had to ask it again. They were like, what do you mean by that? And I'm like, so why is it? And no, I'm not calling my classmates dumb by any means at all, by the way. I'm just saying that when you're in a class, especially if you're tired and like an hour and a half passes by, anybody saying anything to you oftentimes would be like, what? Yeah. Been there. Trust me. Um, So I had to ask them. I was like, so why is it that, you know, black men, rather than supporting black women and lifting them up, as we succeed in our own ways, we tend to oppress them to climb further up. Mm. And they're like, oh, well, you know, um, it's just hard. You know, because I'd be busy or, you know, they just, things just be happening and I don't know what to do. So I'm like, so your default reaction is to... Attack. Attack? It's not to, you know, stop and converse or to try and help them out to any capacity. It's to... Put somebody else down to make yourself feel slightly better. And I feel like if you're hurting that much, maybe it's it's time to, you know, ask the man in the mirror, you know, what's really going on here? Mm-hmm. Why can't I support, you know, my mother? Why can't I support my sister? Why can't I support my friends? And I say that because oftentimes I find myself having to remind the groups of men that I work with that there are women out there, there are folks out there whom are somebody's brother, sister, uh, queer identifying family member, so on and so forth. But yet, once you get beyond that binary, it's like part of them doesn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And it's like, if you don't want somebody to treat you as anything other than human, Mm -hmm. how do you think it feels when you treat somebody else the same way? Mm -hmm. And, and, uh, you know, for me, what I like to think about or, or, or remember is that it doesn't need to be somebody's sister. It doesn't need to be someone's brother. Uh, strangers deserve basic humanity, right? Like people who, who you don't know anything about the fact that they're people you know they deserve to be treated with a sense of basic humanity um and not to decentralize decentralize blackness but decentralizing blackness for just a quick second this happens in i mean you know not to not not to do so but we're gonna do so for a quick second not to you know put a disclaimer out there but you know what here's my disclaimer here's here's the quick here's the quick decentralization um this happens in every community of color right Mm -hmm. so this is with asian men this is with latino men this is with native men right this is with um you know uh, middle eastern men right like this idea that men will will tear down women who share the same race um I mean, this patriarchy, this toxic masculinity is there throughout, right? So I don't want to make it seem like we're saying that this is unique in the black community at all. It's not It's not a unique phenomenon at all. Not being able to support our women. Not being able to support women, period, is actually how feminism got its start. Which is wild to think about now. Mm-hmm. But first wave feminism, as some people may know, because they studied it. They, Suffragettes. They, they've... Definitely begun retelling that story, but a lot of us realized that this this was born literally out of the idea that white women wanted to be equal to their mates. Mm-hmm. It had nothing to do with everybody else. And in fact, it gets worse once the amendment is introducing to the black men the right to vote. It's when, you know, said suffragettes begin to show their asses. Mm-hmm. And then you realize, oh... Okay, mm-hmm. got it. Mm-hmm. You wanted to do the thing where you are finally on par mm-hmm. with your partner. Right. And being on par with your partner means that now, much like somehow magically in all these other cases, 
Your power is now threatened whenever somebody else was gaining access to your playing field. Mm. Nobody is trying to take your rights away. Mm -hmm. All they're simply saying is, hey, you have those, we need them too. Mm -hmm. Because we are just like you. Mm -hmm. Um, So we're going to move into our closing thoughts. But as I give uh, Chris time to think and myself, I do want to say that this podcast definitely goes on like a roller coaster with three loops Mm. and everything else. So please, listen to it with a grain of salt. Mm. Um, Understand that when some of us get together, we have tremendous energy and we produce great content. And then when other of us get together, we are a whole bunch of jokes and memes and y'all are just like, the hell is wrong with Mm y'all? It's it's a family thing. Um, I know some of y'all are wondering why I didn't apologize to... um, Kennedy earlier on wanted to because the goal is not to apologize and make something about you. Mm-hmm. Um, they corrected me. I corrected myself. Uh, Ken Ken smiled at me. That's how I knew she was okay with it. They. They. I'm getting there. It's a work in progress. That's how I knew that they were okay with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and and uh, to echo what Aaron said, I mean, this podcast is going to be probably about an hour in length. An hour is not nearly enough time to really go in depth and stuff. So, um, if something came out that didn't quite sound correct, know that, you know, it might still not be correct, but that it probably wasn't as flippant as it might have sounded. You know, we do have a comment section somewhere. So, you know. <laughs> Feel free to email. Yeah, email, comment. Yeah. Drop a link in the description below. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Somebody come take Jenny out to get something to eat. We don't have a YouTube channel. Shh. Okay. <laughs> they don't know that. Okay, you're All wrapping right, so, up. You're wrapping up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Final thoughts, Chris? Um, I mean, final thoughts, uh, so, uh, going back to where we never were. <laughs> this podcast is all over the place. Um, Black is Black Inn was an amazing documentary. I'd never seen it before. It came out in 1995. Um... I know this because of the fashion of the kids in the movie. Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, it, w- it was awesome. You know, it touched on so many different things. Um, and it, uh, if nothing else, if you like gumbo, um, this is your kind of film. <laughs> um, and I'll leave it at that. But yeah, it's awesome. You should watch this. Um, it, it, it gives you an insight into uh, some of the lived experiences of folks. And what we were reflecting on, the audience that was watching it last night, was even though we are now 20 years later, right, Twenty, a little over 20 years later, um, it still rings true. 25 years later, actually. Um, I mean, it's kind of a round number. Um, it still rings true. Um, it, is not, it is not like a history piece, again, outside the fashion of the folks in the, in the movie. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, it's you know a lot of the points that were made are still true in 2020. You getting flashbacks? <laughs> you, you dressed like that in the 90s? Uh, you know I didn't because I wasn't cool. Gotcha. I wish gotcha. I was cool. Gotcha. You know if you if you were alive in the 90s and you're watching a different world, and you dressed like Dwayne, then you were cool, and I was not cool. <laughs> but these kids in the documentary were dressing like Dwayne. Yeah, right. I mean minus the glasses. Right. But right. I give yeah. you that. I give you that. Um. My closing thought is, um, I was telling Chris this last night, that I love the way that he actually used Gumbo to symbolize the people. Mm-hmm. Because throughout the movie, although they uh, start off, he starts off talking about how his uh, big mama makes Gumbo and she puts all these things into the pot, but he never tells you what the, the ingredient is mm-hmm. that separates the roux from the broth. Mm-hmm. And how... You still get that unique flavor of everything in it, mm-hmm. although it's all come together. Yeah. And I think that that's like the most beautiful metaphor for blackness and black people that anybody can come up with. Um, so in two weeks, we have uh, special guests because we're going to be talking about um, the experiences of black women in the academy and black women <coughs> all together. So that is going to be a super fun podcast. We'll have the executive director for the Institute for the Study of Sports Society and Social Change on our podcast. We'll have uh, some of the founding members for the Black Women's Project 
um, out of Oakland on our podcast as well. Um, I invited the Black Women's Collective on our campus to come through, so maybe they'll stop by and join our conversation periodically. I know that the program assistant from the center, um, African American and Black Students Assessment, will be on our podcast in two weeks as well. So it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, remind, remind the listeners what documentary we're watching. Um, we're watching Living, Think- Living Thinkers, um, A Journey Through the Ivory Tower. So this documentary was produced, it came out in 2016, and it follows the experiences of black women in the academy. So that's going to be a very exciting documentary to watch. We'll be watching that on February 27th in Mosaic from 6 to 7 or from 5 to 6, one or the other. You're 5 to 6.30. 5 to 6.30. I know that because we have an event right after. <laughs> oh, God bless. Because you're going to be here. I mean, I'm not going to be here. Oh. Mm. Bro, I'm just thinking of that. Mm. Mm. Somebody's going to be here. Somebody's going to be here. Gonna be us. Yeah. But like, on that note, I'm going to go ahead and end this way in all my events. I ain't got to go home, but I sure do got to get up out of here. Uh, this has been the Men Trading Change Podcast. This has been a hell of a ride. It's awesome. Thank you for uh, sticking out with us. Yes. Uh, we'll see you guys next time. We'll see you all next time. Yep. See ya.